0: Hey everyone, this is Bea, your host, and welcome back to Journalist Talk. Today I have a special guest, Daniel Ramirez. He is one of my oldest friends here in the U.S., and now he's a bilingual MMJ to Telemundo 33. Welcome! How's it going, Bea? It's it's been a while. (laughs) It's been. It's been a long, long while. (laughs) But here in the beginning, I always ask all of my guests to give a brief biography about themselves, so the floor is yours.
1: All right. So, uh, well, I know Bea from, um, we had a couple of classes together at Cal State in Northridge. I graduated spring of 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. And um, a couple months later, I started looking and applying to jobs. I got my first opportunity in a station in Medford, Oregon, as a reporter and producer. And I was there for a little more than a year. And after that, I got an opportunity that popped up in Telemundo here in Sacramento, a station that covers um, part of the valley and the Central Valley in, in Northern California. So that's where we're at now. We've been here for a little more than half a year now and keep pushing forward.
0: There you go. <laughs> I also wanted to talk to you about your first job. Uh, it was your first job ever or it was just the first one after you graduated and how was this transition to go to another state?
1: Well it was my first job actually in related in relation to, to to what I majored in, to what I studied for. I hadn't done any internships or anything like that while I was while I was at Northridge. And especially during the pandemic, I was really worried about the opportunity of e- even being able to get a job. I had applied to a few stations, I had heard from a few, I had gotten some back and forth traction with a few in in the Dakotas, and then another station in Yakima, where they were actually, um, the reason that they reached out to me was because the fact that I was bilingual. But we got this opportunity in Medford, Oregon, since they were the ones that were, they were the ones that put the first offer to me, they presented the first offer, so it was I mean it was quite the transition obviously it was my first time leaving LA first time leaving my family and I was moving to a place where I only knew one person and that was uh, Tyler Ridge who was the one that helped me get the connection there with the job and now she's she's back in LA but at that point she was the only person that I knew and It was just like, oh, yeah, imagine if you moved up here, like, imagine us working together, things like that. And and especially during the pandemic, it was rough. There would be days where it was just going up to the computer and just producing a show and day in and day out going like that. I didn't know anyone at the time. Not a lot of people were going out. But just, again, just making sure to build that confidence, and over time, week in and week out, you end up being able to like create more of an understanding and being able to feel more in your comfort zone. A couple months later after starting, I started in November of 2020, but I didn't start actually reporting until May, so it was a couple months later down the road, and I kind of just got tossed in there. Obviously, in the moment, it feels a little bit tense, and it's, and it's a struggle to be able to get onto the ropes, but looking back on it now i figure i learned a lot from it and especially covering fires which is something that we're doing now as well you pick up on a lot of different things and again it comes down to being put in these uncomfortable situations where it's it's a matter of sinking or swimming so it's something that i really look fondly upon and i just make sure to be able to focus on on the positives of my time in oregon which was a little more than a year.
0: About the beginning, you said that you didn't start reporting up to May and you spent like barely seven months producing. How was that? Because I can see that you're really like reporting and going out, getting stories since you were here. But how was this producing in the real world for you?
1: There was a lot to learn. I mean, granted, I applied for a producer position with the assumption that I would get treated with the reporter being in front but there was a lot of reporters at the time and they were struggling with uh, producers so and that was one of the things too when we were talking is uh my news director at the time he told me that he seemed he thought that i would have to be producing for the first year and me for the sake of just being able to get a job i was just like sure if that's what it is if that's what the case is going to be we'll go for it it didn't turn out to be that way thankfully but i was always over the course of the months just waiting for my break to be able to go out and get some reporting experience, at least being able to do something out in the field. But producing, there was a lot more to learn, especially since it was a different format compared to what we would use at CSUN. There was a lot to pick up on, and I was was looking back on it, I was a pretty slow learner. But by the end of it, I was able to, like, I never thought I'd have the ability to be able to produce an hour-long show from top to bottom, and having to make sure to stay in contact with reporters, deal with live hits of the different segments. And not only that, but once you're able to create an hour-long show, where can you go from there to be able to add more to it or change it up a little? Things like that.
0: And what were those differences uh, in producing from doing here the way that we we learn at season and doing in Medford?
1: Well, there's a lot more pressure. There's a lot more pressure <laughs> once, once you get into the real world, obviously. You, you have to face deadlines. You have to have things ready at a certain time. and. There's people that are counting on you. I mean, granted, there's people counting on you when we would do Matador News. But Matador News, there would be a group of producers and there'd be people being in charge of certain blocks. While here, it's you're going to do an hour-long show and we need it to be something quality from beginning to end. And you have to be able to, like, balance it out. So, obviously... The big local stories go in your A-Blog, you have your national stories, things that are going on around the world that might be in the conversation of many people. You have that in the B-Blog and then obviously towards the end you'll have like the what's trending or maybe like a consumer alert, things like that. So a lot of things to consider and obviously being able to push yourself to be able to stay as local as possible, because obviously maybe a national news will come out later in the day and you'll be able to get the same information. So be able to provide something to the viewer that they won't be able to get in their national news is, is obviously the goal.
0: Yeah, that is like very interesting to think about like keeping it local because I feel like most times that we were doing Metro News, we were doing like something national and international. Never something super local here in Northridge, but... That's interesting to think that you have to change and adapt to produce a newscast or even to get like some stories. But going back to a little bit in the beginning, you said that Medford also heard that you were bilingual, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, looking back on it, probably didn't use my my Spanish speaking a lot. When I did, it was usually me going out of my way to use it. I remember there was one interview that I did in Spanish that... Thankfully, then I had the time of that was my only story for that day. So I would actually did the interview in Spanish. And for the sound bites, I learned how to put subtitles over over the package as to like what they were saying and things like that. And that was a big accomplishment for me. But yeah, honestly, my Spanish wasn't really used out there. There was a few instances where maybe like helping out the station, figuring out how to pronounce a name. There was a story that we were doing during one of the fires that one of the firefighters had passed away. And I was off the day that news broke, but they were pronouncing the name wrong the entire time. And it was until that I got to the station and I realized the pronunciation that they had going for for this firefighter that had passed away. And I was just like, that's not how it's pronounced. So... They were able to, like, fix it up and get it going from there. But me, there was only me and one other Hispanic or Spanish-speaking reporter Justin Medford alone. Everyone else only spoke English, so it was definitely an advantage, and we would always link together to be able to have at least some sort of Hispanic stories, but it was usually just us going out of our way to be able to provide those.
0: Yeah, I was talking to Lilia Ramirez, and it's a big differential for us to be able to talk and understand other languages because the news don't stop in English. America is a huge place and there's people from all over the globe. And if you have this tiny little thing that can make you stand up like in the middle of a lot of journalists, that's very cool.
1: It's definitely an advantage. I mean, that's in a way the reason why I thought about moving to Sacramento as well, because now that I'm working in a Spanish market, I begin to realize that English is my first language. But even then, I've seen reporters here that jump from st- from stations from uh, Telemundo or Univision, and they've been able to head to the English markets as well. So that's definitely something that might be in the books in the future. But yeah, it's it's definitely an advantage, and especially in a country where the Hispanic community is one of the largest and it only continues to grow. It's definitely something to be able to... That that stations look out for.
0: I mean, I wouldn't still think about, like... English is my first language. Because, like, Portuguese is my first language. But I'm only being able to do this podcast because I speak English. If you be focused and only like, oh, I was born speaking English and all... You're never going to go forward. Like, you're already doing Telemundo, which is big. It's big for bilingual journalists who speak Spanish and English... And I'm really proud of you for that, honestly. How was this transition uh, from Medford now back to California to Sacramento, to doing basically what you wanted to do—use Spanish and English—and being a reporter?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was quite the process to get out of Oregon to begin with, but I had a lot of people that were that were helping me at the time. I want to I want to thank um, Gabriela Martinez. She was the one that actually encouraged me. It's just like. Your Spanish is really good, she would tell me. It's just like, you should make the jump to a, to a bigger market. And obviously, being able to make the jump to a, to a market in Spanish might be able to help me out in being able to get up the, the DMS rankings. Also, someone that I've reached out to, that someone that I met in CSUN, as a matter of fact, is um, Leon Krause, who's the lead anchor for, for the national news in Univision now. But I knew him when he was, uh, when he was the lead anchor at the station in Los Angeles. And I reached out to him. I reached out to him during the, when I first moved to Oregon. And I also reached out to him when this opportunity came up in in Sacramento. And he was the one that was encouraging me to be able to make the jump because it's not common, at least from my understanding, to see Spanish speaking reporters or, I mean, bilingual maybe, but to have someone that can fluently speak Spanish that's born in the U.S. Because honestly, most of my coworkers, they're born in, I have coworkers that are, um from mexico from venezuela from colombia i believe and just all different parts the the caribbeans as well it's different and maybe i'd be able to provide a different angle compared to someone that was raised in another country and had to move over here where spanish is their first language but maybe they don't have the english language the way that i do but i mean here another difficult it wasn't i want to say as difficult i got along with my coworkers. everything's great also got along with my coworkers in, in Oregon as well, but at least here I didn't know anyone when I when I moved over here, so but at least I had more more experience in what it's like to be able to jump to a completely different city and just take on work and just just go with the flow eventually.
0: Is your family half American or half Latino or just like your parents both came to the US? Or your grandpa's
1: so no, both of my both of my parents were, were born in Mexico and then um, well, my dad was the first one to move over here eventually my mom came along as well but all my siblings were all born here in the U.S. but an advantage that we had was um, growing up during the summers since my mom used to work in um, in schools as well she would have the same vacations as us and throughout summer breaks it was just flying out to Mexico so like for example 4th of July up until recently I had hardly ever celebrated it because we're always in mexico at that time but yeah just being able to be around um just straight spanish speaking there's we don't hardly ever talk english while we're over there aside from maybe a little few interactions with my brother but for two three months it's just having to talk spanish with my cousins my grandparents my aunts my uncles so that's where that's helped me out a lot and obviously being able to speak it at home Growing up with my parents, it was just being able to talk Spanish. They could speak English now, but like to this day, like instinctively, I still talk to them in Spanish.
0: Do you send your packages or like any cool reporting that might interest your family? Like now that you're doing it in Spanish, essentially, do you send them and like, hey, now you can understand what I'm doing? Because sometimes I send this podcast to my grandma. And she's like, I don't understand anything that you're saying, but I, but it's so cute that you're doing, you know, it's so funny. But do you do that? What is like the reaction now that you're a bilingual reporter?
1: Yeah, honestly, I can I can instinctively tell that now that I'm working in Spanish, my parents are a lot more. Well, I don't want to say a lot, but they are more interested in in the in the content that I provide and the stories that I tell. When I was in Oregon, I would just be able to like cut it from our from our newscast and I would send it to them through like Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp. But now they actually, they're actually able to go on their, on their Roku and there's an app so they could be able to see my newscast. So like every now and then they'll just check, it's like, what's your story I'm going to be for today? Things like that. So it's, it's nice. And I mean, obviously they're able to like tell the story. They, they see the stories every now and then they'll give me feedback as well. They'll be like, you got to be more, like, expressive or something, one, one thing or another. But it's something that I knew from the beginning when I got the job as well that, I mean, being able to tell stories that they'd be able to understand. Not just them, but the extended family as well, and they'll be able to see clips from the work that I do.
0: I think that's very nice. Like, I have my mom. She understands English. So, like, when I send my podcast, she's like, okay, I heard it. I think it was this week, she was listening to Lilies, and she was like, okay, this one has, like, a lot of terms that I don't know, so she heard it twice. She was like, I'm I'm listening for the second time your podcast, just so I can understand it, but, like, my grandma is just like, no, you're doing a great job, I believe in you, your mom told me, but I'm really glad that they can, like, download the app or something and watch you, like, live, that's... That's big, honestly.
1: Would love to speak Portuguese to be able to make it easier for your grandma to be able to understand what's going on here, but
0: I need to work on that. Yeah, no worry about that. Leave this job for me so I can find something here. That <laughs> it's bilingual uh-huh. but Portuguese and English and how close do you feel to these stories that you are covering right now? Do you feel closer than the ones that you were covering in Medford, or no? Um, I think it's,
1: I want to say there's not much of a difference. It's. It depends usually just on the mindset that you get going into being able to, going into covering a story. Um, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to say it's different, but you obviously, yeah, it's just you got to make sure you, you're there for the person that, that you're going to be covering the story for. You got to be there for the public, for the viewer. You got to have them. In mind keep them a, keep them as a priority i don't want to say there's much of a difference in in regards to the passion and dedication that you put into being able to tell the story the goal is always to be able to push yourself to be able to get a little more creative to be able to add more to it or maybe spot something that you wouldn't have spotted before obviously one thing that i considered is there's the advantage of being able to tell stories from a community that i re i think i can connect more with because my hispanic background and there's a stronger there's a bigger hispanic community here in sacramento but i think that the initiative and and just the the ability to storytell it's it's something that that's only grown but that's only because of the experience and just my progress over time
0: what is the story that you feel the most proud of most accomplished uh so far it can be either in Telemundo or outside.
1: So funny. Story, well, I mean, at least the one that I tend to like show off the most is um. There's the one where I went national for just like a few weeks into my into my time here in Telemundo. But the one that I enjoyed the most and the one that I'm most proud of is um. So growing up, I used to be a huge NASCAR fan. So it's just like a bunch of like auto racing here in the U.S. And, but growing up, I'd never been to a race. I had like a bunch of little toy cars, diecasts that I would collect. And a couple months ago, I had this opportunity to be able to go to a race. And the plan was just to be able to like attend, maybe get some like interviews, things like that. But it turns out the winner of that race, it was the first time that a Mexican-born racer had ever won a race at that series or that uh, cup event. So... When I started realizing that he was in the lead, we had like press passes. So we were able to like walk around and get like close access to all these different things. But it was until I realized that he was in the lead. I was just like, maybe I think I might be able to create a story out of this. So the racer was in the lead. So I, I, and I only had my iPhone. I didn't have a mic on me. I didn't have a tripod, nothing. So I just started getting B-roll shots of of what I could. So maybe of like his team, when they were doing pit stops or when his car was passing by, or maybe some fans that I noticed that had maybe like some of his merchandise. And after that, we had a quick interview with, he had a press conference. We were able to ask him a few questions. When he run the race, it was just like, this is going to make national. So, and even for me, like, it was something that I went out of my way to go cover because it was something that I was so passionate about. So we were able to create a package. Um, I know it got used in the Bay Area. I have a friend in Atlanta who told me the package that I was able to create from the race got used over there as well. Some B-roll shots that I got were able to make it all the way to national coverage. And it's something that I know for the time, like was able to commit so much effort into it. And it's one of my proudest works, honestly, to this day. And like, even then I was calling my mom during the race and, She was just like, it's been a while since I've seen you smile this much. And I was just like, I was having the time of my life, and it was just like fulfilling a childhood dream in the process as well.
0: That is really cool. I don't know how much Americans keep up with races and all, but it's something that it's also very big in Brazil. So me and my mom, we used to watch like literally every Sunday. It's really good when we do something that we are passionate about. I'm very passionate of talking to people, and just, like, understanding their stories, their background, and all, hence why I have this podcast. You know, I think that there's so much more into a journalist than, like, oh, this is Daniel. He's in the, I don't know, five o'clock news. Cool. People don't know more about it. It's just, like, teachers, and I feel, like, if we know that we can find some story, we can find someone that there's, like, a story behind it, we can get, like, success. You've got national. Like, that's so huge. That's big. And I'm really proud of you for that, honestly. Because I used to look up, like, a lot to you, Esteban, like, in Matador Because you guys were, like, there longer. And Sally used to, like, oh, you know, they're doing this. And I'm, like, okay, that's cool. Lincoln is also a big fan of yours, so... <laughs>
1: yeah it also helps uh, i've been able to catch up with lincoln well what was it earlier this year that i saw him well i mean when we went to go see him when
0: yeah
1: uh um, with jenny también but i mean yeah everyone's just everyone's just got in their own path i mean obviously some people haven't actually maybe tapped into the journalism industry just yet but yeah everyone's got in their own path i mean especially esteban because i've been able to keeping contact with him throughout and everyone's taking their, Uh, Sophia's working for the zone. And I mean, I know Davis is really, really excited and proud of all the work that she's done with, with boxing content, which is what she wanted to do to, to begin with. So, Everyone's, everyone's taking their own path. And it's just it's great to see how, how far we all come from, mm-hmm. obviously, during the pandemic when it might have been a struggle. and We really didn't know what the future holds. So.
0: How was that for you? Because you started working in the pandemic. And now you can do stuff normally because not the, the pandemic's over, but the worst part of the pandemic. It's done. We're going back to live our lives, but a little more cautious this time. How is doing coverage as a reporter in these two different times, in the pandemic and post-pandemic?
1: I mean, I enjoy it now better because I know throughout the time talking about the pandemic, it be just, it kind of get repetitive and you'd have to find something COVID-related and just maybe find like the slightest change to be able to continue a story where in comparison to now, it's there's different things going on obviously when you reach out to people about covert 19 they maybe don't want to talk about it anymore and then obviously there's the new one that's popping up as well which is monkeypox but just in general talking about these these sicknesses these diseases when you try to reach out to to the common people kind of just for their opinions or for interviews they're they're, they're over it and you can tell so the opportunity to be able to tell different stories. Like just yesterday, for the afternoon, we did a story on the new stimulus that's going to be provided statewide based on how much you might have made in your twenty twenty taxes. And then for the afternoon, be able to cover a fire. The fact that the overall the pandemic is no longer at the top of the shows day in and day out, it's it's a change of pace and it's and it's a relief for us, the reporters. I could, I'm pretty sure I could be able to speak, not just for me, but for many reporters that I know, where it's just, like, being able to have something different, it helps you out to be able to, like, get more creative thinking going.
0: Yeah, I feel like we are so stuck in this. Oh, my gosh, we're living, like, the worst times of the worst times that could ever be. But, you know, I have a class right now, and we are supposed to do, like, something about 2022, like, it's a terrible year or something like that. And I'm like, okay, we don't have that much COVID. Monkeypox, we don't hear anymore <laughs> about it. Like, it was big for a month and then out of nowhere, no monkeypox again. And then I'm like, okay, 2022, it's, like, essentially an okay year now. It had, like, the whole Russia and Ukraine and, like, war, it was, like, huge but it was like in the beginning of the year right now it's it's still relevant of course but at the same time like we can bring like light to news not that you're not gonna give hard news you know you can still give hard news and at the same time do something lighter bring events that are happening what is your opinion on that actually
1: well i mean obviously i think hard news is going to continue having to be the priority and then obviously at least for for local stations, the goal is to be able to localize it. So I remember I was I was still getting kind of my career started when the whole Russia Ukraine thing was going on, and to be able to localize the story like that, we didn't really have that many connections early on. I remember one time it came down to me going through yellow book pages to just I think I ended up like at a at a Russian supermarket or something like that. They had a yellow book right there, and I just started flipping through it, calling numbers, see what I can get some way somehow for that day i ended up with an interview of a ukrainian pastor who spoke spanish never did i think i'd be able to achieve something like that and looking back on it I'm, I'm still kind of proud of that since it was only i think like my first or second week on the job it just so happens and that leads to another point where it's just like sometimes you might think that you're that you're stuck or that you won't be able to like obtain what you're trying to get but when there's a will there's there's a way and it just, hopefully, I mean, in that case, thankfully, I had plenty of time to be able to find that. But that was our effort to be able to localize it. He was able to talk to us about friends, relatives that he has back in Ukraine and just being able to, like, pray with them over the phone, things like that. The big stories, the hard-hitting news is obviously going to be the priority. But any chance you get to be able to, as someone told me recently, to be able to throw a bone or to be able to provide a story that a reporter might be encouraged to be able to, Not have to tell much of a somber story, but just to be able to, like, maybe get creative with it a little more and provide that feel-good feeling to the viewer is nice every
0: now and then. That is a nice way of putting this. I have one more question before we start, like, closing our interview. Do you think it's harder for a bilingual uh, reporter, producer, anchor, whatever the journalist wants, a bilingual journalist, to get a job here in the U.S. compared to someone that is an American-born?
1: I think it just depends on maybe where you're looking. But I would say, on the contrary, it, it should be... The bilingual the reporters or the people, again, that bring more assets, that bring more skills to the table, they're the ones that are going to be getting the most looks. So just in general, I don't think we're the priority. I think especially with the changing country, the melting pot that we have going on here in the U.S., and especially in the bigger cities where you can find people from all ends of the world, definitely being able to have more abilities and more skills that you can bring to the table compared to someone else that might only speak one language, you should be the top target there.
0: And what would be your advice for someone who might be starting college right now or looking for the first jobs, and they have this goal of being a bilingual journalist?
1: Well, first off, I would say don't accept the first job that you're offered. And Lincoln, Davis, if you're hearing this, I am sorry, but I stand by that. I would say just weigh out your options and know your capabilities early on, because, I mean, there have been situations where I've had friends where they try to reach out and get their first jobs, but they eventually have to go back to to a space of comfort because maybe it was too much for them or maybe they might not have been fully prepared for what was to come for me to end up in a place like bedford oregon for a little more than a year again i have good memories there and everything but it was tough i mean there was there was difficult times there was obviously a lot of pros and cons to it for, for reporters that might be wanting to start their careers as well obviously you guys started in a smaller city in a smaller market but Know your worth as well in the process, and I mean, you can be able to negotiate for yourself as well when it comes to being able to deal with contracts as as much as you can. Obviously, we're not experts, but again, just be able to weigh out your options. There's no rush to be able to jump into it. The only reason I did so was because it was the middle of the pandemic. There's a lot of great people that are willing to help.
0: Wise words from Daniel Ramirez, ladies and gentlemen. And I just wanted to say that it was very amazing being able to catch up and listen about your journalist life a little more. We mainly like don't speak about it, but that, that is really cool to know all of your journey and see how big you're becoming. That, that's amazing.
1: S- slow and steady. The goal is to be able to get to L.A. at some point, but we'll see. we'll see. We'll see what the future holds.
0: There you go. So thank you so much again for coming here to the podcast. And for you listeners, I'll see you guys in the next episode.